you have made the serious mistake of tuning into Talkin' Tuscaloosa with Jimmy and Luke. On an almost weekly basis, Jimmy and Luke discuss the latest sports happening at the University of Alabama, and if you are especially unlucky, they might review a movie or tell you something that happened in their pathetic lives. Now, without further ado, to misinform you about Alabama football, here are the idiots, Jimmy and Luke. Hey everybody and welcome into Talking Tuscaloosa, Luke Robinson along with Jimmy Stein. As always, Jimmy, how are you today? Good. Good. My headphones may be defective, so I'm I'm trying to keep very still as I talk today. Uh yeah, they you had a lot of bumping and grinding going on and not in a good way last time. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what that is. <laughs> R. Kelly said, give me a call. <laughs> you know, the funny thing, uh, of course, there's a thousand funny because, you know, nothing's more hilarious than R. Kelly, R. Kelly raping children. <laughs> but uh, we've all known for years about R. Kelly in this, or at least because, I mean, I'm, I'm plugged into pop culture, but it's not like, you know, uh, not, not to an extreme sense. And I thought it was common knowledge that R. Kelly does this sort of stuff. And now he's actually being charged and it's in the news. And I'm like, where where were you 10 years ago when everybody knew this was going on? Uh, yeah, back when he I, could afford a defense. <laughs> I was in a, a casino in New Orleans. This was a long time ago. It, it had to have been for an Alabama. I think this was around an Alabama game. It may have been Oklahoma or Ohio State, but I, I, it may have even been Utah. It was so long ago. But my point is, I was playing blackjack, which I don't, I don't normally do. I'm not a blackjack expert, but I had a couple hours to kill, so... I just went to, uh, you know, the blackjack table in Harris and I'm sitting there and I kept drawing these horrible hands and, and I'm not a great blackjack player. I, I'm such a bad blackjack player. I don't even really know the difference between a great hand and, and a bad, but it seemed like I was drawing a lot of bad ones because I was drawing a hand where it was a difficult call, whether I wanted to, to take another card or not. And after about the third or fourth, uh, third or fourth, you know, hand in a row, it was just terrible, you know, and, and I, I said it out loud to where the dealer could hear me and people on either side could hear me. I didn't announce it to the room, but it seemed it was funny to me at the time. I said, I'm, I'm drawing more 15s here than R. Kelly. And and crickets. And, and crickets. Yeah. Not No laughs yeah. whatsoever. It's one of the reasons it's haunted me because I still to this day think that was that was pretty funny. I mean, that was pretty funny for Blackjack. Got no laughs. But my point is, I'm making R. Kelly sleeping with underage girls jokes a freaking decade ago. Well, So why is it a thing now? Well, what they said was, sir, we don't have the place for inappropriateness here in New Orleans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> we don't allow we don't allow sin at, in the casino yeah. in New Orleans. Speaking of sin inappropriateness. Talk. I took my daughter, I mean, back about four years ago, we took my three kids, at the time I only had three, to New Orleans. And um, like, I'm, we're walking around Bourbon Street, and my daughter, who I guess was like seven or eight at the time, I mean, she sees like they're two homeless guys on the, on the street, and they, you know, like one of them's eating, you know, a, a candy bar that had obviously been thrown down, and the other one's about to shoot up, and 
And my daughter looks at me and goes, are you sure this is appropriate for us? <laughs> and I was, like, you know, I was like, it's two in the afternoon. This is about as clean as it gets. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but uh, I have to tell you something else funny really quick before we get started. My, my youngest daughter, my two-year-old, she's a, she's a big talker, loves talk. I mean, like talks more than your average two-year-old. And so we went out to dinner for my wife's birthday on Saturday night, come back. Sunday, I mean, come back and, you know, go to bed, whatever, wake up Sunday. And um, we're talking to the two-year-old, Sela, And we said, well, Sela, how was the babysitter? You know, did you, you, you had a new babysitter? She said, she was fine. And said, good. Um, so what did y'all do? And she said, we played with my kitchen toys. We played in the living room. Then we went to my room. She read me a, a book. She told me a story. She put me to bed. I started crying. I screamed for help. And then I went to sleep. Over the yeah, best part. That's right. I mean, she just ended. I mean, she said it just like that. Like I screamed for <laughs> I help. Screamed for help. And then I went to sleep. Yeah. It's like, well, no help's coming. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll just, you know, just go ahead and knock out you? 40 winks here. Who's your babysitter, Ted Bundy? <laughs> no, no. I mean, and we. She was like, oh, she had a great time with her. I mean, but that's just what Sheila does when you put her down. And then in the, you know, lots of times, if she's not crying, she'll. You know, our dog's name is Zayda. She'll say, uh, "Mommy, mommy," and just do that for like a minute, and then mommy doesn't come. Then daddy, daddy, and I won't come. Then she'll go, Zayda, Zayda, anybody? <laughs> I don't even have my iPad to text. Um, <laughs> The story is sadder than a star is born. It, it is. Uh, okay, so let's jump into. Uh, I'm going. I want to jump into this. I actually wrote down some things to talk about today. Um, oh wow, we're totally I prepared. Wa- or I one watched, of us is. I watched the E60 on Trent Richardson. Did you see that? I have not. Uh, what was uh, surprising? Uh, I, it seems like I know so much about Trent. So, what was surprising that you gleaned from this E60 episode? Nothing truly surprising, except. I guess, you know, what was really surprising to me, he's not all that bitter about all the people that screwed him over. Um, I feel a lot better about having almost no friends now because Trent's <laughs> friends screwed him over royally. And in fact, his brother, who he apparently was paying like $100,000 a year to be a personal assistant, which, you know, was essentially to do nothing. That's good, That's good um, work if you can get it. That's The irony is I, I bet someone that really, really needs a personal assistant like Taylor Swift yeah, she probably she probably pays her personal assistant like forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, Matt Kuchar probably you know I mean? pays more than her. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was bullshit, by the way. But anyway, um, so yeah, but I mean, I was sitting there thinking, you know, Trent Richardson's got more Klingons than than Captain Kirk. <laughs> I mean, he's, <laughs> he's uh, these guys, and he said, okay, so he's paying his brother a hundred thousand dollars a year, and he had to fire him, and now he's working. Um, you know, he's playing for the Birmingham Iron, which is great. And they're 3-0, and and he scored three touchdowns yesterday. But he's making $75,000 a year, which isn't a bad gig. I mean, they're worse jobs in the world, like uh, yep. being Robert Kraft's masseuse. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> can, can, you, can you imagine? i got to get into that in a minute. But so, but, so Trent had to fire the assistant, you know. And his brother, I'll give his brother some credit. His brother said they interviewed him afterwards. He's like, yeah, we all kind of screwed Trent. I mean, we took nobody can ever say Trent didn't do anything for anybody. He took care of all of us and we screwed it up royally, is essentially what he said. And Trent, when he got traded, 
And one of the reasons apparently he was traded is because of all these Klingons and family members. He said he had like 28, 30 people living in this house in Cleveland that he paid, you know, $800,000 for, but it had plenty of room. But he, you know, he had like 30 something people living in there. So he gets traded to Indy and he's like, oh shit, I got to move all my stuff. And like, so you got 30 built in movers, right? He was like, not a one of them helped him move. They were like, you better hire somebody to do that shit. We're coming with you to Indy. But you, 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 we ain't taking our shit with us. I mean, but he wasn't bitter. He was just telling the story and he was like, I'm going to have a huge comeback. Now, you know, he's got three, he's got like six touchdowns in three games or whatever. But I mean, I don't think he can be in the NFL. He's still averaging like three yards a carry for the iron. But regardless, I mean, he's an Alabama legend. I just hate it that it didn't work out in the league. Yeah. You know, I talked to an Alabama coach shortly after. Shortly after it was clear Trent was not going to be the same player in the NFL that he was in college. And I asked an Alabama coach that I got to talk to about, you know, what's your guess as to why it's not working out for Trent. And he, he without hesitation, said it was uh, off the field issues that had nothing to do with his health. Or he thinks that uh, he thought that 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 burden of, of uh, what was happening uh, off the field and all the, the leeches and Klingons. Uh, weighed him down to the point. I mean, it, it is when you're talking about having to function physically at the highest levels in the world, you have to be focused and driven. And, and I think basically his, uh, his entourage was nothing more than a, uh, a distraction for him that, that, that made it very difficult for him to, to focus and do what needed to be done because he didn't have anyone helping him. He had people using him and uh, I'm not surprised at all. If you'd have told me right after you said that he's making seventy five thousand with the Birmingham Iron, you know what would have been funny is that, you know if, if on that E60 show his brother's like, oh man, you're only making seventy five thousand. He's like, all right, well I'll I'll cut my pay down to sixty thousand to be your personal assistant then. Or he'd say, you better get on another team and play, make two checks. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm right. getting a hundred of that. <laughs> uh, that's right. You better make twenty five somewhere else, pal. Yeah. You better get a, get the Ubering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah i mean it was um i mean it, it was it was while there was something out you were just talking about uh shit, and there was something else he said in there that kind of blew me away i mean you know he 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 came from practically nothing and uh i mean his, his mom seemed nice enough you know she signed him up for football uh because he you know she was like i want him to stay out of trouble and but oh he said uh what was funny he said, you know, he gets a $20 million guaranteed contract. And so people start calling him left and right. And they're like, man, my car is about to get repossessed. And he said, all right, said, well, how much you owe? And he said, $7,000. All right, it's on the way. And the next day, like the same guy called, man, now you ain't going to believe this shit. Now my house is about to be repossessed. <laughs> <laughs> like they about to come take all this shit. And he said, uh, all right, well, what do I owe? You know, and he said, you know, I just turned around and he said one day, like after all the shit hit the fan, he said, I just decided, okay, I'm going to sit down and look at my bank statement. Now he should have done this earlier, but I give him, <laughs> Fair. I give him Fair credit point. for doing it ever. And he said, he said, I had like 22 Hulu accounts open in my name. <laughs> Hulu was like, Who is watching this much freaking television? <laughs> there are only 24 hours in a day and you have 22 Hulu accounts. <laughs> But he said, oh, he said, he said when he's play, he was playing for Cleveland one day, like the fifth game of the year. And 
you know, he gets all these free tickets and he had all these people up there. And he said in the middle of the game, he was thinking, did everybody get enough tickets? You know, there's no way you can play in the NFL if you're no, when you're worried when you're worried about that. Yeah, <clears throat> just can't do it. Um, just we're going to go. We're going all over the place here. All Alabama right. schedules Dude. a series with uh, West Virginia. What do you think about that? Solid. I mean, solid. I mean, you know, it, we're in a position where there is basically three teams that Alabama can schedule where the national media says and, and the fans around the country can say, oh, they finally did it. They finally yeah. scheduled a tough game. It, it could only be Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma. And that's about it. Maybe Texas. Maybe the new Texas, the new yeah. Texas, because Texas is apparently good again. But, you know, so so we won't get, quote, credit for playing West Virginia. Though you can name just any team in the country, any team in the top ten, just pick a random top ten team. How about Oregon? They're going to be in the top ten this year. If Oregon was playing at West Virginia, people would say, wow, pretty gutsy, pretty gutsy scheduling by the Ducks there. Right. You know, so uh, so we won't get, quote, credit, but uh, I think it's a unique location. I think I would probably try to go to that game uh, oh, in, in the Morgantown because uh, I want to see Morgantown. It seems like a really cool, uh, cool place. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty neat uh, and, and I like it. But is it going to be enough to satisfy the critics? No. But the only games that would satisfy the critics are basically impossible to schedule because you know what happens when you call Clemson and you're Alabama and you say, let's do a home on home. They're they're busy washing their hair that night. I mean, it, it, it's not a game that every program thinks is in their best interest. So th- there's no there's no definites that Alabama wants to play that game or that Clemson does. Because if you're Alabama right now, you say, why the hell are we playing Clemson in September when we know we're going to play them in December? Exactly. It's you know? and uh, yeah, you're right. But and I and I applaud uh, Greg Byrne for for thinking outside the box a little bit here because I'm always thinking. You know, I want to play somebody unique, and I did see another rumor about potentially a home and home with Oregon coming up. That would be interesting. Yeah, I dig that. <clears throat> I would go to that for sure. Uh, and I'm all for, um, I'm all for, you know, instead of maybe instead of a Western Kentucky, maybe we schedule a Rutgers. If everybody wants us to get a Power Five team so bad, uh, <laughs> Western Kentucky would beat Rutgers' brains in. Yep. So, um, but anyway, I thought that was cool. Anybody you really want to see us play that we don't have coming up? Yeah, not not in particular. You know, we're, right now the program's going so well. We're playing these big games at the end of the year. Uh, you know, I I, I don't want to. I don't care how good you think we might be. I don't want to schedule ourselves right out of the championship. Let's remember the toughest conference in college football is the SEC. Uh, I know all these other leagues might say they are. But it is not unquestionable, uh, and I think the SEC is the toughest conference. And of the two divisions, we play in the toughest one. So our schedule is tough simply right. because we play in the SEC West. Period. No one has a tougher annual slate than a member of the SEC West. So, and our our rota- our our East annual opponent, who's been bad for ten years, and one of the reasons, by the way, we get ripped on our schedule. Uh, lately is because Tennessee has been bad. So our annual East opponent hasn't been good. Well, guess what? They're about to be good again. I think in two years, Tennessee is going to be really good. So uh, we just need to be careful not to schedule ourselves out of, of the championship. So I'm, you know, personally myself, this is the way I look at it. Uh, 
people may say that this is wrongheaded and, and it's not challenging enough. But 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 I would say to those people, will you pick up the phone and see if Clemson wants to play us? They they might not. You might be surprised at the reaction. They might laugh hysterically and hang up the phone. But you know what I would say about if we're going to play someone that's viewed as a top ten program, that's great. But I'd want to play them in a neutral site. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more benefits to that. Um, it, it, it's 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 it makes it not as daunting to win the game. Uh, as when you're on the road. Secondly, there's a huge recruiting thing to it. Third, you're guaranteed national primetime ABC television when you play a, an Oklahoma at uh, at seven. You know, on, on opening weekend, Alabama versus Oklahoma would be a 7 p.m. game on ABC with Herb Street and Fowler. Not to mention a big recruiting boost because uh, we'd obviously be playing that game. You know, in Atlanta or a place like that. Um, so uh, if we're going to play a top ten team, I would like to play them in a neutral site. If we're if we're like no no, let's play some some home and some home and homes, uh, then I think a West Virginia is perfect because it's a power five team. It's a team that's occasionally really good and is usually good. Period, uh, and it's a unique uh, place to travel uh, where our fans haven't seen before. So I think West Virginia is an ideal home and home, and, and a great neutral site uh, opponent would be. Uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, you know, a, a really big name, Oregon, uh, you know, some 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 big name team that's likely to be in playoff contention. Uh, I like those games in neutral sites, but that's just me. No, I'm a, I'm pro neutral site guy. Uh, I mean, the the campus thing is is always super fun, but um, you know, I, I like going to Dallas and shit like that. So I'm I'm pro neutral site games. Um, JJ Evans, wide receiver of Montevallo, commits to Auburn. Yeah. Disappointed? Uh, I don't know if disappointed is the right word because I'm certain that Alabama's going to sign a really good core of receivers and it's early, and who knows if the kid could be flipped. I will say this based on my film analysis of JJ Evans, he is a completely legitimate top five player in Alabama, the definitive top 10 guy, plenty good enough to play for Alabama or any college football team in the country. I think J.J. Evans is a uh, – I'm, I'm comfortable saying he's a national top 100 guy, but if he's not national top 100, he's right outside it. That makes him a very elite blue-chip prospect. So uh, I think, you know, good for Auburn. Uh, I mean, he's a, a quality guy. I think, uh, I think you know, J.J. Evans and E.J. Williams from Phoenix City are the two best receivers in Alabama – not much separates them. They're very similar dudes to me. I think J.J. Evans might be a step faster. So I'm going to rate J.J. Evans barely ahead of E.J. Williams. Uh, very similar players to me. But I think J.J. might can outrun him. So I think he's another good in-state pickup. And, and, and uh, you know, Alabama's going to sign a, a premier elite group. I have no doubt in my mind that's the case. Uh, but Auburn is off to an impressive in-state start. I, I like their in-state kids. Uh, Rodney Gross, the uh, the linebacker, man, he he's another top twelve type guy. That's uh, that's great that they picked up. Of course, uh, of course, JJ Evans that we were just talking about. Um, I like get out of a linebacker. Demoy Kennedy from from yeah. Theodore is also very good. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I think would be good enough at, at Alabama. Really, all these guys I'm saying: JJ Evans, Rodney Gross, Demoy Kennedy. Uh, they they are all you know Alabama level uh, elite signees, in my opinion. Even uh, Daniel Foster Allen, uh, a pass rusher, they got a commitment from from St. Paul's in Mobile. Uh, 
is a kid with significant upside. He, he is a top 25 guy in state right now. I'd put him around 25, but I say that he played his entire junior year on a bad ankle and was still a top 25 type prospect. So Daniel Foster Allen might actually prove himself this fall to be more of a top 10 type guy, maybe with, with a completely healthy ankle uh, that he'll have this fall. So Auburn off to an impressive start on in-state guys, uh, whereas Alabama, as usual, the focus is outside the state. And I'll tell you one guy I want to talk about because we need to discuss for 30 minutes how the hell we pronounce his first name. But Tho jo- uh, Bell Jones from uh, from Carroll City, Miami. God, I'm so glad you said I had uh, no idea. I said Tho. I, I don't know. TBJ? <laughs> this is what I'm going to call him. Freaking awesome is what I'm going to – I think – he, he's quintessential of why you cannot take rankings too seriously early because uh, I think he's a three-star on the composite. Good Lord. I mean, that, that guy in reality is closer to a five-star than a three-star. He, he is a fantastic high school football player. Uh, reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, think this is a, I think this is a Ridley clone, maybe a bit smaller and and while that might hurt him down the road in terms of the NFL, it, it won't have any effect uh, on on his uh, game in college. Uh, Jones Bell he, or Bell Jones or whatever the hell <laughs> he is, he is probably my favorite player I've seen on tape in the entire country in the twenty. I didn't say the best; he's not the best, but he's my favorite. I mean, in terms of a wide receiver that creates separation in an instant. I mean, in an instant, he has separated himself from the DB. And this is a kid playing in, what do they call it, 6A football, 7A football? I mean, the, the largest classification in inner city Miami. So this kid's going up against Division One guys every week, and he creates separation like a freaking magician. And uh, that's why he reminds me of Calvin. You notice how Calvin, even though he was always double and triple covered, Calvin was open. Every time, and that's because he separates so easily, and that's what this kid does. So I'm excited about him. He's leaning to Alabama. He hasn't committed, but uh, my understanding is uh, that Alabama is likely to end up with him. And who? I, I won't care who Auburn signs in state. If we end up with that that guy's better. I've watched every player in Alabama now, uh, and 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 that wide receiver from Miami is better than any prospect in Alabama. Wow, mm-hmm. you're saying he creates more separation than Robert Kraft on payday. At the Orchids of Asia? <laughs> uh, that is saying, the funniest uh, shit I think. I, I it, mean, is, it is a funny story on so many levels. It's, could, it's also a whole hour on it. I'm sure we're about trafficking. But it's, yeah, that's, that's the downside. That is that's, the downside. That's the downside to the story. And that oh. is a completely different. I mean, that, that change. I mean, I laughed for 30 straight minutes when I first heard of this. And then we heard the, the human trafficking end of it. And it kind of like, well, maybe that's not. Maybe that's not very funny at all. And uh, whoever is responsible for that needs to go to prison, not jail, prison for long periods of time. Uh, but, you know, uh, Robert Kraft and the other customers there, uh, they, they, they would have no reason to know that, uh, that, it's, that that's going on. It's not fair to, to say he, he's guilty of trafficking. He's only guilty of, of the, the misdemeanor charge. Well, you know, but it's funny because I was talking to some friends and they said, yeah, you know, Robert Kraft's getting killed for this, and it's yeah, it's it's bad, but the punishment's not fitting the crime because he, he's I mean, he's getting, you know, his whole his whole um 
personality, his whole uh, character is being assassinated. I said, look, <laughs> when you're a bill, I said, look, if it was just some average schmo, we wouldn't hear about it. There were probably 50 other guys that got busted in there. And we don't know anything about any of them. But when you're a billionaire, there are very few rules. One of them is don't go to a rub and tug in between a Domino's and, and a uh, GameStop. Don't go to a rub and tug that just says spa on it. <laughs> you know, and like, it, I mean, it's just so funny. I mean, what what is what is your potential excuse? You walk in there and go, my back's really hurting, but I'm hoping you'd work on my front. I mean, what that is? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, and, and okay, maybe they did bust bust this thing wide open when they knew they could get Kraft too for the notoriety. But you know. If I were Robert Kraft, I wanted to do this. I would go to the person who owns the shopping center and say, look, I'm buying this for seven to nine minutes. And then you can buy it back at a reduced price. But I want to make this completely private property. And I'd I'd want to make it so that I can do whatever I want to because it's mine. I mean, is it the dumbest thing you've ever heard of? Uh, I mean, I mean, he... You know, I there seems to me other ways he could have accomplished the same mission by spending he a just lot. Walked into okay, he's in near Orlando, right? Couldn't he have walked into any a Jocks and Jills or a Chili's and just held his checkbook up and said, "Everybody, I own the Patriots, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not offering anything. I'm just saying I'm going to be in my car with my clothes off. Anybody want to come?" Well. I suppose he could do that, which would also make the news and also be equally hilarious uh, if he did that. <laughs> but if that made the news, people would be like, yeah, that's kind of the shit I'd do. I'm if saying, I was I a think billionaire, you ain't catching me at the <laughs> Well, at the I mean, I know the reason, the reason that these – well, the reason that these celebrities buy these girls is they're not buying the sex. They're buying them to go away. I'm they're saying. buying – they don't want to, quote, date uh, because that can create headaches for them. So they're trying to do sex without dating is what they're doing. Sex without dating, sex without post-date stalking. So that's why they do this. But there's an industry for rich people that I'm not rich, so I wouldn't really know, but there, there, there's an industry for rich people that live in around huge places like, you know, Boston, where there are extremely high-end uh girls who are not trafficked who are tender grown women that well i mean but then you get you have a date stalking situation i mean i i can see the the point in doing what he's doing in terms of buying it but uh gosh the problem is it's weird and it's like the fallout look if you got busted with the fifty thousand dollar a weekend escort People are just around the country are just going to nod their heads and go, uh-huh, yeah. That sounds, that <laughs> but sounds about getting right. Busted where, but, getting busted where you're, <laughs> but getting busted where he got busted makes it hilariously off and terrible. It's like, dude, come on, break out the checkbook. I mean, you know, th- those those girls are paid to keep silent too. <laughs> and if you get caught, it's not It'd be the equivalent. If you get caught, I'll high-five you. It'd be the equivalent of Jeff Bezos inviting you over for steaks, and then before you go, you see him at the Walmart meat counter getting your T-bones. You'd be like, dude, why hadn't you just flown in the cow fresh? 
and had it cleavered in your kitchen. Well, I mean, if he was caught with one of these $50,000 escorts that was a, a former Playboy Playmate and, and you know, her picture got out and everybody see that, I mean, he'd be he'd be walking through the, you know, concourses at the Patriots games and, and you know, guys would be high-fiving him. He'd, he'd be walking around now, like Connor Now he's Griffin. not going to get high-fives. Now he's not going to get high-fives without, you know, everybody wearing a latex glove. <laughs> and But I'll say this, too, because here's the thing. If you work at Orchids of Asia, you're probably pretty used to, okay, I'm getting my $12 or $10 an hour or whatever it is, and I've got all these scummy bastards coming in there all the time. And and then you're like, okay, this kind of sucks because Robert Kraft's going to come in here and he can't make a big scene, so he can't give me a big tip. That's I'm going right. to do all the same shit to this old, yeah. gigantic <laughs> human being that I have to do to all these other guys that are at least my age, and he's not going to pay me any extra. That is true. I think I think you've stumbled upon the real tragedy here. I mean, he got the same he got the same fifty dollar treatment that the uh, the <laughs> offshore driller that came in, the <laughs> offshore driller who came in before him, who makes lucky to make you know thirty five thousand a year. He walks in and and gets the same deal that the guy worth seven billion gets the next guy, and he's worth seven billion and get you know, paid the same. That's that's there's there's some tragedy. If you Google the site to, to like or Google the what the place looks like, it just says spa on it, which is already a big red flag. But in the window, it had like all the asterisks by, you know, with what they do. Like one asterisk was bikini wax. One asterisk was full body massage. One asterisk was pedicure. And then there was an asterisk with nothing. I bet you Robert Kraft went in there and go, yeah, I want that one. The one you can't put on the window. I want that one. <laughs> I did. I read one of the uh, newspaper reports of the police said that in all their time surveilled, this is a, a, a spa. When you think of spa and massage, you think of women going on their little girls day out, mom's day out, bachelorette parties, uh, girls that go with their bestie for a day of shopping and at the spa and the cops down there that have been surveilling this place said, no, we never observed a female customer walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> he never had one female customer. So I think it was pretty well known in the area what was going on at the uh, at the old Orchid Spa. I mean, it's just – and to have it right there in the strip mall, I mean, it's like, you know what, I got – you know, honey, I got to go out for a while. I got some shit to do. I got to run by uh, – got to run by the GameStop, and then I'm going to go uh, to Subway, and I'm probably a rub and tug. I mean – uh, get my tires rotated, <laughs> which he did. Yeah, there's more. Well, more Patriots getting their balls deflated. And well, and now we know why Tom Brady's so good at that two-minute offense. He learned from the best. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Okay. SEC basketball, really quickly. Alabama gets a big win against Vandy, but you know what, mm-hmm. Jimmy? We can't even enjoy it because we're up twenty points, yeah. and the sons of bitches almost come back on us. I don't know. What is wrong with us in the final five minutes of a ball game, of every game, no matter big win, whatever, we suck in the last five minutes. Yeah, my theory is, you know what, this team's built a little different. Like, what's different? Because this hadn't been a thing until this season. I mean, and by that, I mean, obviously, we haven't been great any season. But our failure to close out games has really been a thing this year. And I can't remember that in recent seasons being a big thing. And this is my theory as to that is because we're built differently. This team is better. This team is better offensively 
than the last several Alabama additions. It is a better offense that scores more points, that gets production from more places, and it's not just one guy like last year when basically our best offense was a clear out for Colin. Uh, we used to clear out for Trevor Ellerford. Um, now, now we we're, now it's a better offense, but we're not we're not as good defensively. The numbers back that up. We're not great defensively. I think that's why teams come back on us late in games because because we don't have a defensive stopper. When the other team gets on a little bit of a roll, they really get on a roll because we're not stopping the ball. We're not making shooters drive or drivers shoot uh, because we're not great defensively. I think Herbert's pretty good defensively. I'm not sure anyone else is really good defensively. Dante's pretty good around the rim, but I wouldn't say that Dante's a great defender either. He's just okay. Um, So I, I think because this is a different Alabama team, a team that's actually a little better on offense than they are on defense. I think that's why we don't close out games. I really don't know. I'm just grasping for straws, but that's my only explanation for it. What, like, well, this is a new problem, but it's also new that we're better on offense who are on defense. And hey, when you're when you're good on offense, when offense is what gets you to the dance, you can ask Auburn about this. Uh, some nights, offense just isn't there. I don't care how good you are. Some nights, offense doesn't travel, but defense does. And, and we're not great defensively. And I think that's why we're just not great, period. Uh, and I don't think it's a lack of effort or lack of coaching on that end because we're pretty good on defense the last couple seasons. I think it's just the specific personnel, uh, the specific personnel, the guys on the floor. Uh, for instance, just a couple about like Tevin Mack, when he's in the game, he's usually having to play the four and he's a big threat offensively at the four because he's such a good athlete and he can stretch the floor for a four. So it makes him tough to defend. But on the other end, that means Tevin is defending a four and he -hmm. gets muscled up. He gets bumped around. He's not big enough to do that. And then on the perimeter, John Petty, I mean, he's long, but would anybody call Petty a good defender? He might even. even, um, Texas A&M hit the big shot, the banked in three pointer. I mean, he didn't stop the ball. That's right. So Petty, Petty is just average at best. Um, you know, Dazon's probably one of our better defenders. But one thing about Dazon is he can defend multiple spots. But here's the deal. We have to play Dazon at the point quite a bit because Kyra isn't used to playing 40-minute games yet. But when Dazon's at the point, that means he's guarding a point guard. And it's easy to imagine Dazon not being quick enough to do that. So when Dazon's guarding the point, we're not that good defending that spot. So I, I think it's a person, the specific personnel, the way it just ended up, the way the cards were dealt. Uh, it's just not a great defensive team, uh, but they can't score. And, and uh, this is what I think. Forget what's going to happen in the SEC tournament, Luke. I'm just asking you, this is, this is the way I look at it. Forget what's going to happen in the SEC tournament. I don't know. We may lose the first game. We may make it to Saturday. I don't know, but forget that last four games. How many do we need to win? to get in. I, I think it's two. I, I think if we go two and two and finish nine and nine, I, I think that's good enough to get in. We might not have a great seed, but I think two and two gets us in. What, what do you well, think? I think two and two gets us in easily. Really? Okay. I mean, just I, one I, and three I, get us in. Oh, three just, I mean, we get, we're talking about three. a much, much better seed. No, no, I'm talking. Does one and three get us in? Oh, does one and three. Um, jeez. Uh, I guess it kind of depends on which one the one is. Which one? I think if we beat LSU, it might be. Yeah. I mean, if, if the one is over LSU, maybe, because LSU is ranked so high in all those metrics, deservedly so. Um, so I think two I think two and two needs to be the goal. 
Now, will we finish two and two? I, dude, I can see this team going zero and four. I can Easy. also see him going. I can also see him going four and zero. No, I, mean, I cannot see them going four. There's no. <laughs> chance I wouldn't bet on that. I'd yeah. bet on zero and four before I bet on four and zero. Yeah, but I, I think those are winnable. But but we can beat anybody at home. We beat Kentucky at home. We beat Kentucky. We can beat LSU, or Auburn. But winning those road games is going to be tough. But Arkansas is not great, and and South Carolina. Is I, I think that's the least likely game to win of the four. That's another good question. Least likely win of the four. Which one do you think it is? Is it LSU because they're so good, or is it at South Carolina? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'd say I'd say it's at South Carolina. I'm with you. Me too. Yeah. Auburn has proven to me now. If if everybody's on their game, I think LSU one then Auburn two would be the toughest, and South Carolina may be the easiest. But if just going up there and if we just flub around like we've been doing, I think South Carolina is easily the, the toughest. One. That's, that's what I think. And one final question. We're sitting right here. I think off the top of my head, this is right. We're 16 and 11 and we're, we're seven and seven in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If we were 18 and nine, I'm just saying, if we were 18 and nine and eight and six in the league, right now we would be like, we're in, right? Oh, we're a six seed. Okay. The only thing it takes for us to be eighteen to nine and eight and six in the league is two last second, last ditch prayers that went in for the opposition. That if they had boinked off the rim, we that's where we're sitting. I mean, it's those two shots against Georgia the Georgia State shot to beat us at the end and the A and M miracle bank shot to beat us in Tuscaloosa. That's why we're not in right now. Those two shots. Very frustrating. You know, you blow a twelve-point lead against um, A and M on the road at A and M. Oh, the chances! The chances have been there for sure. I'm just saying that, man. This year, those two shots fell against us. Other years, they maybe do. they don't, and we're they sitting do. here eight, eighteen and nine, and 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 eight and six in one of the toughest leagues. You know. You know, you said something interesting. Uh, you said offense doesn't travel, and defense does, and you know, so does Dazon Ingram. So maybe we have a shot. <laughs> You know what's funny? There were several times that Vandy game that I was watching that Dazon traveled much more than John Petty did against Tennessee. And I was yeah. thinking that that pisses me off so bad. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I was, uh, But he weren't called. They weren't called against yeah. Vandy, but he traveled yeah. his ass off. Yep, yep, yep. So, all right. I got to get back to work. Yep. Uh, hey, work. Man, everybody enjoy – this Talking Tuscaloosa we did so quickly after a previous Talking Tuscaloosa. People are going to be shocked. The, the population, the same one. The, the population of Earth is going to be shocked <laughs> that we put out two podcasts in about five days. Next week we'll focus a lot on 2020, 2020 recruiting because the week after that we'll have spring practices to discuss. How about that? That is the truth, Ruth. All right, buddy, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>